welcome to another episode of Love and Game Film, the podcast about the love of sports and sports stories. I'm your host, JC DeLeon. You can find me on Twitter at JC DeLeon1 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Love Game Film. And for this episode, we have our very first special guest a guy that i've been trying to get on the show for a while i reached out when i first had the idea and he said he would do it and you know people get busy he's a managing editor for lakernation.com his name is trevor lane if you follow the lakers that is definitely a name that you know he's super busy guy he posts youtube videos every day about laker news and he's the most in tune source of Laker news and knowledge that you can find anywhere. And he was gracious enough to be on this show to talk about winning time. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. This episode is going to be a little bit of a different one. I don't have a first segment lined up because I moved to a new place and I've been, you know, setting up my new room and setting up my equipment and things like that. So I haven't been able to record as consistently as I would like, but I'm now fully set up and hopefully with the help of a guest like Trevor, more people can be in tune to the show and I can be a little bit more motivated to record more consistently. And since the winning time show is almost over, there's about two episodes left in the season, I think. Once the season is over and we've gone over every episode, and yeah, I've I've skipped episodes four, five, and six. <laughs> we're going to talk about up to episode seven, although we're not going to talk about specifically episode seven in this episode. But once winning time is over, then I can get into a consistent place where I can start telling you guys more stories, bringing on more guests, talking about sports movies. But that's not to say that there isn't new things to talk about because there's always new projects. There's a new Magic Johnson documentary premiering on Apple TV. There's always sports movie news. Ben Affleck is going to direct a movie about Nike and how they signed Michael Michael Jordan. There's always new sports movies. There's always sports movie news. And we'll talk about some of the classic sports movies with some of our guests. But for this episode, enjoy my conversation with Trevor Lane of Laker Nation. Thank you. And welcome back from that break. And for the second segment of this episode of Love and Game Film, we are welcoming a fantastic guest. If you're a Laker fan and you follow news of any kind, this name is the name I'm sure you are familiar with. It is Trevor Lane of Laker Nation. Uh, how are you doing, Trevor? Ah, doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for for coming on to this, uh, this show. You were Seven episodes in, you're the first like major sports guest. I've I've tried to uh, get a lot of guests on, but everybody's you know everyone's kind of busy with things, and unfortunately now I figure since the Lakers season is sadly over, uh, everyone around the Lakers uh, Twitter beat kind of has a little bit of time. Yeah, unfortunately we do have a little bit more time on our on our hands right now. Not what we wanted. We were hoping the Lakers would be able to make a playoff run, at least get into the play-in tournament, but. Alas, it was it was not to be. So uh, so yeah, it was an 
an early summer and it's going to be a long, long off season. This is, I, I'm the type where I stress more when there's not a lot going on compared to if there's too much going on, I'd rather be super busy than have too much time. And uh, most people I think are, are the opposite. So I know a lot of people who've been covering the Lakers are like, okay, cool. We get a breather away from this team. Me, I'm like, man, I want, I want more Lakers basketball to talk about. So you hit me up at a, at a perfect time. Yeah, I, it was a weird sense of when the season was over, it, it, this, the team just wasn't gelling at all. And it just seemed to be getting worse and worse as it was getting closer to the end of the season. So I felt like a lot of people were just like, just end the thing and get it over with. And now that it's done, it's like, well, I kind of still wish I was watching LeBron do his thing. Yeah, it's um, it, it was a frustrating season. I know a lot of Lakers fans, though, are relieved that it's done because they don't have to watch this team anymore. And they're, they're eager to get to July 1st and start building out the next iteration of, of the Lakers and uh, see what's going to happen. But yes, it was I, I've been calling it and I think most fans agree with this, that it's been the the worst Lakers season ever. Uh, not record wise, but in terms of the the experience uh, relative to expectations, what we've what we went through this season, I, I think it indeed was the worst Lakers season ever. So we're we're looking forward to getting getting into next season and hopefully putting all of this behind us. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I guess just to go over some topical news, I'm sure you'll go over this more in depth on, on your shows later on, but the news did just break as of this recording. So I kind of wanted your immediate thoughts on the uh, the Charlotte Hornets have decided to dismiss uh, head coach James Borrego. What, uh, what are kind of your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a surprise when you look at what happened with the Charlotte Hornets. Is this really James Borrego's fault? What, what happened there, their early exit? Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, it also suggests that perhaps the Hornets are looking to make some some big moves. Uh, we know they've got some expensive contracts coming up. You've got Miles Bridges. You have P.J. Washington. Eventually, Lamella Ball, Lamella Ball is going to have to be paid. So they've got some interesting pieces there. Was was James Borrego some, someone that was holding them back? I guess we'll find out. Um, in, in my mind, I tended to look at this team as just, well, they're young. They're growing. It's going to take time. And these are kind of the lumps you have to take in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, the Hornets, they're, they're looking to make some moves and and move into that upper echelon next season. And apparently they feel like changing out their head coach is going to be a step towards doing so. Um, that puts another team out on the market looking for head coaches, which you know could be a factor for uh, for the Lakers, who are also looking for a head coach. But for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see who they bring in here. Because again, I didn't look at this team as necessarily one where head coaching was a problem, but perhaps they've got somebody in mind that they think can, can help take them to the next level. So interested to see what they ultimately do. Yeah, the only interesting things that I would ever notice from the Charlotte Hornets when it came to a coaching perspective, and this I would only know this because I would occasionally gamble on uh, LaMelo Ball's uh, over-under sometimes, is he would get benched in the fourth quarter a lot. And I'm wondering if maybe there was kind of an issue with since LaMelo is going to be kind of the, the face of the, the Hornets franchise for at least, you know, his rookie contract and his rookie extension. So that's, you know, five, seven years, he's going to be the face of the franchise. I'm wondering if there was a little bit of a disconnect there. Sure, that, that could potentially have been a, an issue. You know, you've also got Malik Monk playing so well for the Lakers this season. How does that look on the coaching staff, given that he was kind of it wasn't really utilized much for them. Is, is that a negative mark in, in their ledger? That's that's something else to consider. But 
Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm going to defer to Hornets. I haven't seen many Hornets fans who are upset about this. So, well, from an outsider's perspective, I'm a little bit surprised they went this route. It sounds like most Hornets fans were kind of ready for this and ready to move into a, a new coaching staff. So we'll see what ultimately ultimately happens here. But you know what? The NBA, there's always stuff going on, always moves being made. And uh, and I think this season in particular, this offseason, with so many teams being so compact, so many teams being able to talk themselves into being playoff teams or being title contenders, I think there's going to be a number of kind of surprise moves that we don't see coming, kind of like this, this James Borrego firing. Yeah, I agree. I think there's uh, a lot of parity in the league. And I was just kind of thinking the other day or yesterday with the, the news of, Chris Middleton's MCL sprain and Devin Booker's hamstring sprain, hamstring strain that for the first time in a really long time, I have no idea who's going to win the NBA title. Usually you can think of it's one of three teams who's going to win the NBA title. No idea this year. I really thought it could be, could have been Phoenix. Phoenix seems to be struggling against new Orleans without Devin Booker. Milwaukee's kind of struggling in their first round matchup. It, I have no idea who's going to win the NBA championship. Well, it, it certainly is wide open right now. Uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix were my two picks to come out of the East and West respectively. So with these injuries, though, I think that throws everything into question with both of those teams. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. Because this is the worst Lakers season ever, that means the Celtics are going to win the championship this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do really good. I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, I think if I were to, if I were to be forced to pick I would be basing that pick on teams who are really good defensively and that's like Boston that's Miami yeah I think either one of those two could win yeah definitely could get it obviously not not what Lakers fans would prefer to see but uh, they I mean the Celtics I think I think the Celtics have probably played the best basketball of anybody in the NBA playoffs so far they've been absolutely fantastic and and again not not what we what we want to say but um, you know what like I said given the way this Lakers season has gone that's that's probably the outcome we're going to wind up we're going to wind up seeing cool so yeah we can kind of use that to transition into winning time a little bit as sure. uh, so what are your general thoughts on, on winning time so far you're about seven episodes in and yeah just kind of your your general thoughts sure so winning time it's it's a show that i've enjoyed watching i'll tell you the first the first episode i really liked the second i there have been points where it kind of lost me a little bit, where it slowed down uh, a bit. But once they got out onto the floor, and and perhaps this is just you know being you know what I do for a living, that's where it really started to click for me. Is when you we saw the guys get out on the floor, and you're seeing them throw passes, and you're seeing that. I mean, a lot of these guys, the 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 guys that they hired, the the actors for the show, can actually play, and so that that helps too. But once they got out on the floor that took the show to another level for me and made it that much more enjoyable. Um, I've really enjoyed, enjoyed watching it, but again, that's coming from a, from a Lakers background. Uh, my wife who is, she's a Lakers fan, but obviously not as you know invested as, as I am. She was, was kind of lost with the first couple of episodes and was not that interested in watching another one and just said it didn't really, didn't really grab her attention. Same thing though. Once they got onto the floor in the last few episodes, I feel like it's kind of picked up a bit. And so now she's, she's even saying, wow, this is, this is getting better. I said, yeah, this, this has been getting better. Once the guys are actually competing and we're seeing that sort of stuff. So I've enjoyed watching it. Um, Again, I thought it was, uh, I was, wasn't quite sure where it was going at first, 
But now that they've got the team out and playing and, and we're seeing that take place, we're seeing, you know, magic on the floor. We're seeing all of this. It's um, I, I think it's taken the show to another level and it's made it that much more enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I've been waiting for, for kind of the basketball to start and the first three or four episodes I did enjoy. I, I, I enjoy Adam McKay's projects. I think his, even his, he sort of had two shifts in his career where he was mostly comedy with, you know, the other guys and uh, stepbrothers. And then he sort of made that political shift with uh, the big short and uh, vice and things like that. And, but yeah, I appreciate what he's bringing to the table. I especially appreciate sort of the, the elements of the racial discussion he brought out in the first couple episodes when it was Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. Uh, What's your kind of relationship with Adam McKay's projects or, or, you know, before everything before winning time? I mean, I won't say I can, I can list off every movie the guy's done or anything. I, I typically don't pay a ton of attention to who it is that's, that's doing what movie or whatever. I'm not, I'm not that deep into, into film or anything like that. Um, I, I wasn't sure coming in how this was all going to work, knowing that he had a, a comedy background. I didn't know what to expect. And I think that's one of my, one of the things that I've seen with the show is when I look at, okay, this is, what is this show? Is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it action? I mean, it, it tries to marry all three of those, but sometimes I feel like there's not enough. And I, I'm, look, I, I don't have a very sophisticated movie palette. I typically pull from, when I, when I want to go and watch a movie, if I want to watch a TV show, I typically look at, at three genres, action, comedy, and action comedy. That's, that's my style, right? That's, that's just, that's what I watch. And so I do, you know, the other guys and, and movies like that, but sure, those are, those are up my alley. I think I was expecting a little bit more comedy, a little bit more of a lighthearted tone to some of this than what we've got. I am very much not a drama person. Um, if, sh- if a show is just a drama, I'm typically not interested in it. Um, so from my perspective, and again, I know a lot of people are not that way, um, but from my perspective, I was hoping that he would bring in a little bit more of the comedic element to it. Um, but that said, I, I can't complain too much because I think that he's touched upon some really important topics too, with, by taking that more, sometimes more serious tone. Yeah. And so this show does start at the very beginning of, of the bus era. And so what's kind of your relationship with the Lakers as far as I'm not sure how old you are. Uh, you know, how much of this did you remember? Or did you witness? Or was it kind of around, you know, when you were an infant or? Mm-hmm. So sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 40. And, um, I, and so I grew up, you know, my first memories are of watching the, the Showtime Lakers. So this, this show is set a little bit before my, my time. I was born in 1982. So this show is a little bit before, before I was around, but there's stuff that's familiar to me. Like when it, when we saw the first couple episodes and you just saw just the way everything is set up, the cars that are around or things like it, it did bring me back to my childhood a little bit. I went, man, this, this really is how things used to look. Um, and again, I, I, the stuff that I remember is from a few, you know, probably five, six years after when this show is, is set, but still there was, um, there was certain that certainly that familiarity um, for me. And so that was really cool too. Just feeling like they kind of captured that, that time period, um, was very interesting. And the techniques they used to film it, um, the different, 
the the different strategies that they used in terms of uh, having the guy talk directly to the camera and have the, these cutaway scenes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in addition to just the camera techniques and things to make it look like it was footage from back then, has been has been pretty cool, and it's really reminded me of stuff that um, that used to be around at the time. So I've I've enjoyed that aspect of it too, the the nostalgia to it. And, and so that's been, been kind of fun. And I can imagine if I was a few years older, it would be even more so because then I would have been around for that exact era. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool things for me, that's I'm, I'm the same age too. And I've probably the peak of my, or the start of my basketball fandom was probably early nineties. And I liked it so much. I would, you know, always check out books from the school library about the, the different history of the game. And so even though they were way before my time, I had known all about like Magic and Dr. J and like Oscar Robertson and players like that. But there was still aspects of, of this history that I wasn't familiar with. And so it was really cool to me as, as a big basketball fan to be surprised by a lot of things like, like Jack McKinney's accident. I had no idea that okay. for as visionary a mind as he was, he didn't finish out the season. And the whole Norm Nixon versus Magic Johnson thing, I went up in basketball reference and I saw that Norm Nixon's stats didn't really change at all. And so I was really curious how they were going to they were going to coexist because clearly they ended up coexisting just fine. And so that was kind of the point where I was like, I'm going to stop looking up things that happen, you know, in history. And I'm just going to let myself be surprised. And, and especially the, the Jerry Tarkanian thing, I had no, no idea that was happening or why he didn't end up being the coach. And so all that stuff being a surprise is a really cool thing as a basketball fan for me. Well, and I think with, with all of that, it's important. And this is, I'm sure something we're going to get into, but um, I'm sure with all of that, we, we also need to keep in mind that this is, it's a dramatization. It's not, this is not historically accurate in, in every sense. There, there are some things that are, and there are a lot of things that, that are, but we've seen a lot of the, the criticism coming from former players, certainly from Jerry West and things yeah. that we can't take everything that happens in this series as historically accurate because that's simply not, it's, it's not what it is. And so it's just something to, to remember, particularly as a, uh, you know, my degrees in history, I taught history for, thir for 13 years before eventually moving into, into sports. So I think it's important when we're watching this, that we do keep that, that in mind, that, there are some great things in here. There are some things that are hundred percent accurate and seeing some of the things they go through, but you always have to kind of leave that, that little bit of doubt and don't accept everything we're seeing at, at face value, because some of the stuff um, is, is not quite accurate. Some of it is, is being done for television in order to, to make it a, a more interesting show. Yeah, that, that is what I was going to get into next with you. Um, I think the biggest controversy with this show so far has been the the portrayal of, of Jerry West. I think from his, his from his introduction in the first episode when he's yelling on the golf course saying you know, misogynistic and homophobic things, I think that surprised a lot of people. And I, I was gonna ask you, being from LA and being from this town and being a little closer to it than maybe I was or maybe other people who were just kind of general basketball fans, if you, if you know how inaccurate that portrayal might be, or maybe if you know a little bit more about Jerry Buss or certainly your time in the media, if you've met him or spoke to him, a lot of people have said one of the things that's, that's so inaccurate about this portrayal of him is that he's actually really soft-spoken, which is not how he's portrayed at all in this show. 
so I was wondering if you had any kind of perspective on, on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I haven't personally interviewed Jerry West or anything, but having seen uh, several press conferences and things like that that he's done and things of that nature, um, yeah, it doesn't – and, again, this was, this was set over 40 years ago, so a person's temperament, that, that can certainly change. So the Jerry West that we see now we might behave a little bit differently than Jerry West from back then. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's the one kind of, if I want to say character in this, where it feels like they really took maybe some bits of his personality and just cranked the volume way up to make those more interesting for television. You know, we've heard a lot of people say, well, he, you know, the, the, the famous scene where he throws his MVP award through the, through the window of his office and, you know, breaks the glass and all that. They say, well, first of all, he, he never got that mad. And secondly, he never had a window on, on his office. So that was just done for, for dramatic effect. It's kind of a, to me, it almost reminds me of like they've turned him into almost like an Ari Gold from Entourage style yeah. character. Like in order to create that, there's, there's humor in the anger that he shows. They've tried to humanize him by showing some of the, the, the toll that it's taken on him mentally and, and all of that. But it also creates some, some comedic beats in this with kind of his, his anger and it being over the top and, and all of that. And it does remind me a little bit of what we saw with, with the Ari Gold character in, in Entourage, obviously some major differences, but still that the kind of base anger being part of, of the character. And I can see where, you know, everybody's saying that's not accurate. That's not him it makes the show a little bit more interesting, but if you're Jerry West, you can't be very excited with, I don't think anybody wants to be portrayed as that guy that's out of control, angry and, and acting terribly towards people and saying, saying horrible things and, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. So um, I I can understand the criticism of that. I can see why they would have done, done it for the show in order to create a more, you know, interesting person there. But if that's, if that's you being portrayed in that way, I mean, I'd have to imagine most people would, would not be too pleased. Yeah, I, I, do, I do feel like it is the most over-dramatized of, of all the portrayals. Uh, one, of the, one of the portrayals that I was most confused by, because at first it didn't seem very accurate, neither the look or his performance, but I do, I am seeing a little bit more of it as he's kind of coming out of his shell, is Adrian Brody playing uh, Pat Riley. What did you think of him when he first appeared versus kind of how he's now he's sort of beginning to kind of guide Paul Westhead more. And now you're kind of now I'm starting to see Pat Riley in, in, in episode seven more so than I did in like episode three. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it is kind of like that origin story where you're like, well, this isn't the guy that we know. How do we get to the guy that we know? And even physically, when he first popped up, I went that's not Pat Riley. That doesn't, that doesn't look like it. But then you go back and you look at pictures of Pat Riley from back then. And you're like, damn, okay. That, that, that's, that's, it's not how he looks, how he looks now, but he actually is pretty close to, to what Pat Riley looked like. And then I think uh, character wise, you're right. He's um, he's getting closer and closer to becoming the guy that we know today. And you can kind of see where um he just he has that 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 temperament that's kind of taking over as the series goes on where they're kind of setting him up to become the the lakers the Lakers, you know the coach the, the coach most often associated with showtime and of course you know jack mckinney a lot of the the origins of it start with him in terms of the play style and all of that and uh and paul weston and him him 
you know, carrying that on. But then most of the time when we look at that fast breaking style showtime, it's, it's Pat Riley that we think of. And it's just, it's interesting to see how he kind of transforms from the guy who at the beginning of the show is completely lost and, and, you know, walking along the beach to, we know, we know what's coming. We know eventually it's the Armani suit wearing slick back hair, Pat Riley that, um, that we all know, know today. So that it's been interesting to see how they portrayed that. And I think they've, I think Adrian Brody's done a, done a great job with, uh, with portraying him. Yeah, I think so too. Um, maybe my favorite portrayal on the show and I can't believe how how much they nailed this portrayal and I've, I've listened to uh, one of the episodes and sort of how they kind of lucked into finding him is Quincy Isaiah as Magic Johnson there are times when he when he smiles in particular uh, that's the moments where I'm like man that guy really does look like Magic I don't know if he sounds like him but the way he sounded back in the day but he's got that smile down perfectly like what are you, what are you thinking of, of Quincy Isaiah Oh yeah, he's done a fantastic job. I think he's been been really the the standout from this has been the portrayal of Magic. And I mean, you're right, he does. He looks like Magic. That I mean, the biggest thing with Magic when when some you ask somebody about Magic Johnson, the first thing you think of is that smile. And he managed to to get that down. Um, he's been been absolutely fantastic. So I've really enjoyed watching that, especially as somebody who you know Magic Johnson was really my first will always be my favorite Laker was my, my first memories are of watching magic Johnson play. He's that he's that guy for, for me, the first guy that really connected me to the Lakers as a, as a kid. And so I've got a lot of memories of match watching magic Johnson play growing up and just seeing that I'm like, man, he, he really got it. I mean, that he did a, a fantastic job with that role. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, besides, magics do you have a, a favorite portrayal or of the show like anyone who, who you think is really kind of nailing it and who you really like seeing pop on the screen you know um chick hearn i think has been been interesting in this one i actually interviewed uh the actor who played uh chick hearn uh just a, about a week or so ago he came on my show and i thought that he's done a, a really nice job uh spencer garrett has and when it's so difficult because for me, like when I think back, like I can hear Chick's voice in my head when I'm, when I'm thinking back to those Lakers games and the way he narrated the games was absolutely phenomenal. And it's such a difficult role to step into where you're being asked to be that voice that everybody knows that's so, that is so distinct and being that character. And then at the same time, shining a little bit of a negative light on that character too, because the things that he said, you know, think about, holding up the fist for, for Pat Riley, telling him to stop and, and all of that. So I think that he's handled that role really well. And I'm interested to see more of, of him in that. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a really big one for, for the show. Uh, and then of course the, the, you know, Norm Nixon, that's been, I think he's been absolutely fantastic as, as well, but there's been a, a number of actors who have really popped in, in this series. Um, but yeah, those, those are the ones that really stood out to me. Yeah, I, I know as a Lakers fan, you're probably not going to like hearing that the portrayal of Red Auerbach is really good, but Michael Chiklis, I think, is really nailing mm -hmm. it. As far as, especially when like, you compare or how they're portraying Jerry West, from everything I do know about Red Auerbach, the dude was kind of a prick, and, and that, that portrayal does seem to be pretty dead on. Yeah, he, I thought he did a good job, and it's enough to where 
because it's from the Lakers perspective, you're supposed to hate him, right? You're supposed that's, that's supposed to be the reaction that you get when you watch that. And I think that, that they, um, they certainly accomplished that. So that was great. Uh, I do like the Norm Nixon son is playing Norm Nixon. Like that's, that's yeah. pretty cool to me. Um, that's, that's fantastic. But yeah, I think that they've gotten the right, the right mix of, of just interesting characters in here and it's created and again i'm i'm naturally going to be inclined this way anyway but they really do a good job of turning the celtics into like the villains here and you're rooting for the lakers to get to beat them and and all these things so um that's and obviously celtics fans probably feel a little bit differently if they're watching this maybe they're not watching this but um but it certainly resonates with me yeah and now that i'm thinking about it there's another character i wanted to ask you about that I'm a little confused by the portrayal by because this person is someone I'm a little more familiar with as an NBA fan. And, and you know, as he got older and older and it became more and more familiar with him and kind of how aggressive and, and cutthroat a businessman he could be. The portrayal of David Stern, I think, is really, I don't know, it, it doesn't, he doesn't seem to have very much teeth. And like, that's not at all what I know about the guy. Well, I think part of that is it's so early and in Stern, I mean, he's going to come into that role later on. I think Uh, we'll see that, but yeah, I mean, David Stern is a big part of creating, you know, the NBA as we know it today. He's a big part of, of capitalizing on this rivalry between bird and magic, but this is very much the the early days of it. So um, it's almost a little bit, I don't know if you watch the show, um, Gotham I think it was on Fox for a while when you saw kind of the early and I, I'm big into you know all the the Marvel the DC the DC stuff all, all of that but um, it's, it's like you're seeing the early versions of all of these characters and you know they're eventually going to turn into these things but into the things that they will be whether it's you know the Penguin or, or whatever the Riddler but you're kind of getting this early sense of, of what they are not to say that David Stern is a villain but you could see the little flashes, but also understanding more of their background and where they initially came from. So I think that's ultimately, and this, this did get picked up for a second season. So ultimately I think we'll see more of him becoming the David Stern that we know in, in future seasons of, of this, but interesting to see kind of the, the take on him at this stage of his career. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, has there been a, a favorite surprise, like something you didn't know, or, you know, just, something that's kind of you've enjoyed seeing that you didn't know um favorite surprise i i think that john c Riley as as jerry bus was maybe my I'm, in terms of it wasn't a surprise as as in oh my gosh i didn't know this happened uh, i had read showtime um by jeff perlman so i i knew the essentially the the beats that we were going to see take place in this but I wasn't sure knowing, and again, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of comedy movies and action movies. So of course, you know, I've seen Talladega Nights and, and Step Brothers and all, all these things. So John C. Riley, I mostly know as a, as a comedic actor. And so I, what I was like, he's going to be Jerry Buss. Is this going to work? Like I could kind of see it, but, but I, I think he's been, been absolutely fantastic. So that's been the biggest, I think, pleasant surprise for me has been the role of Jerry Buss and how, um how well he's played that part yeah i agree um i'm curious what you think about this since since you're not as plugged in to movies i don't know if you may or not know this um so adam mckay and 
Will Ferrell used to kind of partner on a lot of projects. And this is sort of the project that kind of kind of broke them up. Will Ferrell really wanted to play Jerry Buss and Adam McKay just didn't think he was right. And that sort of broke up their partnership, broke up their friendship. Uh, do you think Will Ferrell would have done a better job than John C. Riley? No, you know, I mentioned this to my to my wife the other day because we were talking about the show. And um, and I said, you know, that I that I'd read that Will Ferrell was initially going to be Jerry Boss, and this was a big issue and, and it created this this thing. I, I have a hard time picturing Will Ferrell doing a better job than than John C. Riley. I mean, you never know, right? Until you know. I mean, there's times when you when you look back, like when Heath Ledger was cast to play the Joker, everybody went, What? That's yeah. never going to work. That is awful, right? And then it turned out to be this all-time great character so you never never say never who knows what will ferrell would have would have done with it but i have a hard time picturing him doing a better job than what we got out of out of jerry bus here with with john c Riley. so i i don't I, I have a hard time imagining will ferrell playing that well and part of it might be because will ferrell has been in so many comedies and john c Riley has as well to where there was that effect where i'm like i don't know if i could see this guy in this role as this character that's obviously super important to, to me and to Lakers fans, and it's got to be be handled the right way. Will Ferrell goes even further in terms of he's ingrained in my mind as as this is the guy that does goofy stuff up on screen and everything. Is this is this the guy that could that could handle that role? I don't know. I don't know. So I have a I have a hard time disagreeing with Adam McKay's decision there to go with John C. Riley. But again, like I said. You never say never, because who knows what Will Ferrell would have done with it. Sometimes you see an actor that gets cast in a role, they make a choice, and you're surprised, and you don't think it's going to work, and then it completely does. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think John C. Riley was the, was the perfect guy to cast this because Will Ferrell, even when he's when he's played dramatic, he he's always kind of Will Ferrell. He never sort of transcend transcends himself out of being Will Ferrell. John C. Riley can absolutely transform himself into other characters like the the biggest i think transformation that i've ever seen will ferrell do is when he plays harry carey and even then it's just kind of he's mm -hmm. still will ferrell <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and that's there's just there's some actors that are like that they're always kind of that same character like like i mean the rock i, I love the rock but for the most part he's kind of the same character in, in like yeah. every movie he's always kind of the rock and and that's that's what he is dwayne johnson right but uh, or, or Samuel L. Jackson, same thing. He's always whether whether he's Nick Fury or, or somebody else, he's always kind of kind of the same the same guy, and that's okay. There's there's nothing wrong with that, and I, I think Will Ferrell kind of falls into that that category as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So we'll go ahead and get you out of here in a little bit. Uh, my my plan with this show and every guest I bring on is to sort of ask the same question at the end, and you know. It, this show is all about love of sports and love of sports movies and things like that. And it's my belief that a lot of that's a lot of that starts in childhood. And so do you have a favorite sports memory as a kid that kind of started your love of sports? And it could be a sports movie or it could just be an actual like sporting event. Like what's the kind of earliest you remember just loving sports or the Lakers or, you know, whatever it is. So there's been a number of moments, of course, especially with the Lakers that I've seen, you know, over the over the course of my my life that have really connected me with sports. Um, the more recent ones that are that are of course impactful, the the movie like moments were certainly um, 
when you've got like Robert Ory's three against the Sacramento Kings, Kobe Bryant, I, I think the, the most incredible moment and maybe my favorite moment with Kobe Bryant's career was his final game, the 60 points. I thought that played out exactly like a movie. I, I had chills watching that game. Like it was, that was insane. But going back to when I was a, when I was a kid, um, you know, I think of the Lakers winning, winning championships in the eighties. I think of that team. I think of the Showtime team. Um, the, my first sports game that I ever went to was Lakers versus 76ers and Charles Barkley got ejected from the game. And I remember like cheering like crazy because Charles Barkley had been, been ejected and, and, and how amazing that was. Um, but then I also think back to, you know, growing up playing sports and, and seeing stuff that's happening on TV and, and my friends and I trying over and over and over again and failing to do Kareem Skyhook in our, in our driveway. You know, th there's these things that just connect and you try to go out and, and basketball is great that way where you see it happen on, on TV and you can go out and you can try to mimic it and uh, you can do it right there in your driveway, which is fantastic. So I look at those kind of iconic moments that can't the iconic shots and they've always just connected with me because you always dream of being that guy, right? You dream of going out there and playing with your friends and you're, you know, I'm, I'm going to be magic. No, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Jordan or, or whatever. Um, for me, Kareem Skyhook was that, that move that I always tried to try to perfect and, you know, could never quite, quite get it. So I think that's kind of the resonating moment of that era for me. It was the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Skyhook. And then me as a kid, the initial connection of, I'm going to try to get good at this, at this move. And never, and of course it never, ever happened. And then of course, later on, I think that's when, once I got older, I had more of a sense of, okay, these are, these are moments that in terms of an individual, in terms of the, the team, in terms of the NBA, the league, all these sorts of things have actual gravity and have weight to them. That type of realization, I think, didn't come along till later, which I think is like that for, for most people. But when I was a kid, it was, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. They just, they made this shot and, and I got to go try this in my driveway. And so that's that instant connection of seeing and then going and, and doing. Nice. Yeah, I can remember the very first time I just for whatever reason was in my house and decided to grab the basketball that was in the laundry room and take it to, to the outside hoop. I don't know what compelled me to do it when I was like eight or nine years old. And I was like 15 feet away. And the very first shot I took was perfect swish. And like from that moment, like basketball was it for me. Um, actually one last super quick question. Uh, do you have a favorite sports movie? Yeah, um, I've got a number of, of sports movies that I love. Um, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but Miracle is absolutely fantastic. Um, that, that was just, it was very well done. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch just about any sports movie from the, the replacements, as goofy as that is. I'll, if that's on TV and I'm flipping through channels, I'll stop and, and watch that, of course. But um, I mean, I grew up during this era, so Mighty Ducks was, was great. Uh, from, for me though, I think I ultimately land on, I love comedies, Happy Gilmore's in there. I'm Caddyshack. I'm, I'm just running through all these different great sports movies, but I think ultimately for me, I'm going to land on coach Carter, which from, as somebody who spent a lot of time coaching, um, that movie just really resonated with, with me. And I know that's a very dramatic movie. And I said, I don't really like dramas that much, but um just the idea of the team pulling together and the way that the coach affected change in that way and and all of that just was i thought absolutely fantastic and, and i wanted to, to land on a basketball movie as well so uh so i'll go with with coach carter but 
a lot of the the sports movies that I rewatch the most often are, are kind of comedies. You know, the Mighty Ducks, Happy Gilmore, Caddy right. Shack, you know, that that type of stuff. Cool. Sweet. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode, Trevor. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there anything you wanna wanna plug? I mean, just you can find my work over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We do videos there every single day. Uh, we do live shows as well. Uh, our written work is over at LakersNation.com. And then, of course, you can listen to the Lakers Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Cool. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. That's the same handle on Instagram and TikTok. And you can follow the show at love game film on twitter instagram tiktok as well and once again trevor thank you for uh, coming on to the show and until next time we are out <laughs>